morning, guys, and everyone who's tuning in. I'm going to be reading our passage for today, and we're going to read all of chapter 2 of Daniel. So if you want to grab your Bibles digitally like I have, or if you have an actual analog Bible at home, feel free to pull it out. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Ariach, the captain of the king's guard, and had gone out to kill the wise who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. 
To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went in to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and thus said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known the king, make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be, known, may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of the image was of fine gold, its chest of an arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another king inferior to you shall rise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. All there shall be, oh, I'm sorry, and there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron, because iron breaks iron, sorry, iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And you, and as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, 
So they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in, those day, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from the mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has been made known to the king, what shall be after this? The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and made and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief protector over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Well, thank you to Rachel for bringing our reading this morning. And wasn't it a long reading? <laughs> Sometimes in church, someone ends up getting a long reading like that. And uh, we hear the, these stories, we know these stories. And it can be so easy just to let our minds wander when we're hearing a story that we know so well, can't it? But as we hear this story, and uh, I think it's more than just an amazing story. For us, as we hear the word of God this morning and as we spend some time reflecting on its meaning and digging into some of the, the passage here, I think we want to do more than hear a good story well read. But for us, as the people of God, these are our stories, our stories of faith. An opportunity to reflect on who God is and who he's calling us to be. For the next few weeks, we're going to keep plugging this book called The Daniel Dilemma, which jumps into the story of of Daniel, you can buy it online and we're going to be sharing links for it just to try and make it really easy for you to get hold of a copy. But if you need help getting hold of a copy, if you're not able to do the whole online thing, please do let us know because we'd love to help you get a copy of that book. As it jumps into this story in a different way to the way our sermon series is going to be, but I think reinforces the same thing that we're talking about week in, week out for the next few weeks, which is Daniel's excellent example to us. I mean, this story really has it all, doesn't it? One of my favorite things, it never used to be one of my favorite things, it used to be the thing I 
I used to think I was worst at and was most concerned about when we would have one, and that's a family service. In a previous church, the youth minister in a fairly big church said to me, well, the key, Joel, is just to upset everybody a little bit, and then probably you've got the right balance. And I was thinking, well, how would I tell this story? Were we having a family service today? For Children's Connect watching online at home today, how would I summarize this story for you? Because I think it's so fun to tell these stories and I think actually we're encouraged to have a childlike faith and to think on the key themes of this story. It's fascinating. I mean, you've got it all. You've got the troubled mind of a king, a well-established king in a big kingdom, It already sounds like the start of some sort of fairy tale, doesn't it? Who's wise enough not to be deceived. He's got all of these advisors around him and his troubled troubled mind. Perhaps in a sleepless state. If these are the kinds of dreams he's having, you could see why he might be feeling weary. Laying down his head each night, but little rest there to find. And you see, we're, we're sometimes slow to, to jump into the story because we know the story so well. But as the story unfolds, imagine it for the first time, would you? A king in a huge kingdom, one of the biggest kingdoms that the world has known. And all around him, advisors and magicians, people seeking their own purposes, And the God of heaven and earth looking down on this scenario and beginning to tell a little bit of what is to come through the sleepless sleep of the king. And despite his state, the king decides, I'm not content just to be advised. I want to know my dream. Tell me the dream, and if you can tell me the dream, then you'll be able to interpret it for me. Because only then will you truly know. And then we have God's divine revelation. The king's mind full of this divine revelation, this truth. The story that's about to unfold over centuries. And the king in his anger and his frustration, uh, his deceitful advisors, declaring that every one of them should be put to death unless they can find him the answer. How many times do you have to be lied to before you're willing to say, if you won't tell me the truth, I'm going to have you killed? Sleepless or otherwise, it sounds like a pretty bad day to me. (laughs) And so, as the the chief of the guards goes round, rounding people up, Daniel has this moment. And I don't know about you, but I've not had somebody threaten to kill me before. But I don't know that I would be cool as a cucumber and turn around and say... Oh, yeah, why don't you give me a go at interpreting the dream that every person in the kingdom has been unable to interpret? I'd like a crack at that. 
But more than that, the, the sub-narrative here, the insufficiency of worldly wisdom being called out. The truth that only God really knows what is to come. The insufficiency of ourselves at the root of that revelation. That each one of us needs more of God in our lives. And that God then shares the dream with Daniel and the interpretation too. This image representing the kingdoms of earth that would successively rule the nations and influence the affairs of the Jewish nation and the church to come. The head of gold signifying the Chaldean Empire then in being. The breast and arms of silver signifying the empire of the Medes and the Persians. The belly and thighs of brass signifying the Grecian Empire founded by Alexander and the legs and feet of iron signifying the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire branching into ten kingdoms. Some as weak as clay, others as strong as iron. The stone cut out without hands representing the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Set up in the kingdoms of the world. Upon the ruins of Satan's kingdom. The stone which the builders refused because it was not cut by, the, cut by their hands, but because the headstone of the corner of the increase of Christ's government and peace, there shall be no end. The Lord shall reign. As far as events have gone, the fulfillment of this prophetic vision seems pretty undeniable. And you see, just as it was for Daniel... The responsibility for us is to put God first. To direct people to the Lord, to seek to serve the Lord, to honour the Lord first, that he might be glorified. You see, I think what we see in this story is actually really simple. It's not that Daniel is the coolest cat alive, that he's seeing what's going on all around him and he just takes it all in his stride with ease and simplicity and goes, oh yeah, come on, give me, a, give me a shot at that. I can explain. I'll have a go. I'll pray about it. Let me get back to you on Tuesday. But instead, something even more amazing happens. Something even more amazing. Daniel's character is on display for us in this story. And you see, Daniel's character has been honed over many years. In many ways, this scenario is no different from any other. Daniel's just doing exactly what Daniel does. He's honoring God. He's seeking the Lord. He's trusting in him. He's gathering his friends around him. He's gathering church around him and seeking God together. I think it's easy where we're on our own to grow discouraged. And I think his wisdom here in gathering people around him is so encouraging for us. And as he gathers people around him, they seek God collectively. And when we seek the Lord collectively, 
when we seek to hear his response, his wisdom, his grace, his purposes to us. Well, I think he always responds. You see, Daniel doesn't just respond with prudence and discretion. The king's just ordered his death and his friends too. He's not just taking a bad week in his stride. His character is on display for us to see. His relationship with God is on display for us to see. In a moment where fear would be the natural response, he chooses a response that is so full of faith. It's an example to us. His first response, the only response for us in any situation, let alone this one, is of community and of prayer. The fact that he recognizes the necessity of community so quickly encourages me. And actually, as I was preparing this week, I think that's a great thing to be highlighting for us as a church. You know, there's a group of us here gathered in the room this morning, and it doesn't feel quite like church community used to. We're encouraged not to chat and linger and have tea and cake and do those things that we recognize as being in fellowship, being friends with one another. And we know that's coming back again, but we have to keep being intentional about being in community. This past year, it's been so much harder to be in community with one another. It would be so easy for community to be lost. Throughout society, not just within the church, people are talking about how will we rebuild community? How will we gather our groups and organizations and clubs back into being? Will our pubs and restaurants survive? Will customers return? Will the staff be found to staff these places? These places where we did life, our third space. And then secondly is the reminder of the importance of corporate prayer. You know, people make jokes about the church, not just our church, but big church, capital C. They make jokes about the church having a holy 10% because it seems to be 10% of the church that regularly turn up for prayer meetings. And actually, from my observation, it's 10% or less of the church that regularly meet for prayer meetings. I think we've lost sight of the importance of prayer. And I think Daniel exemplifies for us how you respond to the trials and challenges of life. You gather your people around you, and then you seek the king of heaven and earth. Or if you prefer, you get around family and you ask your dad what to do. You see, I think we've forgotten the significance of corporate prayer because we've begun to lose sight of the importance of who God is in all the earth. They say with familiarity comes contempt. Well, I think it's so easy for us to become familiar with God. 
For the last 20 or 30 years, Christian literature has been full of reminders that God's your heavenly father and you can pray to him, Abba, Father. Some going so far as to say, why don't you call him dad or daddy? Others have said, you know, I just want to pray and seek God for this, that or the other. And along comes a hot topic issue and people start discerning for themselves how best they can love the person in front of them. Sometimes putting their own cares and wants on the person that's in front of them. And the implicit assumption would seem to be that I love the person in front of me more than God loves them. And you can apply that to any hot topic issue. Any issue where the church responds with anything other than the full word of God. You know, our lives are full of opportunities to put Jesus first. To have a moment where we come to him again and again and again. But time and again, as the people of God, we struggle just as the people of God struggled all through the Old and New Testament not to put ourselves first. And the struggle is to put Jesus first. To put the to put God first. I love that Daniel praises the Lord. He said, blessed be the name of God forever. In fact, I want to read that whole section for us. And then I want to read it again. And then I want to read it again. And then I want to read it again. And then we'll all go home. Because when we see Daniel praising God in the midst of his circumstance, we see a true heart of praise. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. Amen. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Amen. And it just goes on and on and he's praising God. He's affirming God. And in the midst of his circumstance, these words... These words are in so many ways the opposite of his situation. When the kings decreed that you're going to die, praising God that he establishes kings, <laughs> seems a bit backwards. Perhaps the changes times and seasons bit, <laughs> but the praising him for establishing kings and kingdoms. And it goes on to you, O oh God, my father, I give thanks and praise. He's just found out that somebody's coming to kill him. How's your faith this morning? Has anybody threatened to kill you this week? Are you here to praise God? Have you had a tough week? How does it compare? And as it goes on, it says he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. 
To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. And you know what happens next? Daniel goes and he he shares what the problem is. He shares what the meaning is. And the king is so impressed, he wants to exalt him. He wants to praise him. He almost wants to worship him, it seems. It says he gave him high honors and many great gifts. It says he fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel. He commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. You know, these are the ways we praise God, and he's praising Daniel. And Daniel's response, Daniel's character, once again, there's an opportunity for him to say, yeah, I am pretty great. And think about the week that he's having. He's gone from being imminently killed to now exalted. It would be really easy to be tempted in either of these situations, to lose sight of God and to be consumed by ourselves. To lose sight of God's goodness and power. When the, your very life is threatened. To lose sight of God's goodness and power. When people are praising you in place of God. Especially in a week where you might be feeling just a touch insecure. Because at the start of the week someone was saying. You know get rid of them all they're useless to me. And at the end of the week they're saying. Well, we should bow down and worship this guy. And so we see again Daniel's character. Daniel keeps pointing back to the Lord. He keeps doing the right thing by God. His character shines through again and again. And you know, this is more than just a great story. It's more than just an impactful story as we think about training our character putting Christ first in our lives. You know, Daniel's putting God first. How much more significant is it for those of us who live in the light of Christ who can respond in faith through grace to the upward call of Christ? How much more impactful is it for those of us who've had the opportunity to give our lives to Christ, who become a part of God's family not just the people of God following God, but part of his family. How impactful is this story that we read this story and we've got the opportunity to reflect on what it means to have a heart that puts God first. How amazing is it when we stop and reflect what it is to be more afraid of God than kings and rulers and men of power women of power in our own day and age. Daniel's an excellent example to us. A reminder that God cares more about people that we love than we do. A reminder that God cares about us and when we seek him with our whole hearts, he's found by us. A reminder that God can speak to 
evil kings and point them towards the truth and what is to come. That he cares more about each one of us than we sometimes even care about ourselves. That the plans and purposes of God are for his kingdom. And that we've got an opportunity to be a part of that kingdom. To trust that God has a plan and a purpose. And that our responsibility is to prayerfully seek the Lord. And to seek to unite ourselves with that plan. Because we want to unite ourselves with that person. You know, you never know when someone's going to call for your execution. Here in this country... We've had a lot of religious freedom for a long time. When we look across to the persecuted church, I think a story like this takes on a whole new significance. So let's not let our freedom lead us into complacency. But let's let this example challenge us to greater faithfulness. Let's consider what it is to have an excellent spirit, character, and to turn to our source of excellence, the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the future holds. And you know, the Lord might make that known to us, or he might not. But practicing faith, faith like Daniel's faith, is something that we can each do. You know, he didn't get to some certain level. He didn't practice and practice and become amazingly proficient. He simply chose God again and again and again. I wonder how many weeks, months, and years it takes before when someone comes along to say that they're going to have you killed, that you cool as a cucumber, turn around and say... I think I can probably fix this by seeking God. I'm convinced that God needs more Christians like Daniel today. Christians with a character A people of God who have chosen to live with an audience of one. Who live in that reality, who encourage one another in prayer and in fellowship to seek the Lord more fully. That a shifting is coming, a move of God.
And so I think the question to us is, will you be one of those people? When adversity strikes, when the call of the Lord comes, will we be people that the Lord can use? We say we want to be the Lord's people. And to be clear, I think the change that's coming is that freedom in Christ for more people is is very much what is next. An awakening to the person and power of God. But it isn't good enough for people to simply want to know Jesus. We as his church have a responsibility to a broken and hurting world. And our response is incredibly simple. All we need to do to put God first is to daily say, here I am, send me. And you know, that's the thing that strikes me more than anything else in this passage this morning. It isn't the amazing high point of this story. It isn't the faith of Daniel Amongst the uncertainty and adversity, it's the faith that was building in him day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, as he sought to know God more and more in his own life. Whatever adversity faces us, our opportunity is to trust our unknown future to our known heavenly Father. We have so many opportunities to put God first. It can be as simple as waking up tomorrow and putting God first by having your quiet time by seeking him in prayer. It might be that as restrictions lift, you phone a friend and you say, let's go for a walk. You catch up and before you leave, you pray together. It might be that you pray and you ask the Lord for an opportunity to share your faith with somebody this week. You know, every time I've prayed that, I've had more than one person that I've had the opportunity to share my faith with. Just last week, I prayed that and someone very unlikely ended up asking me to share my testimony with them. And I'm not saying that I've got this all sussed. I wouldn't be so bold as to say, follow me as I follow Christ, but let's follow Christ together. Let's choose to put God's agenda before our own together. Let's keep gathering together just as Daniel gathered his friends. Let's gather together in fellowship and prayer and trust in God's perfect plan and promise to us. I'd like to pray that for us and... uh, One of the wonderful things about wearing masks is I can't tell whether you say amen or not. So there's never been less pressure in church. (laughs) But if you want to say amen at home, if you want to say amen behind your masks here in the room, would you just pray with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, 
We pray that you would help us to be like Daniel, to put you first. Father, help us to remember to gather together to seek you in prayer and in fellowship. Help us to have a character and a heart that is after your own heart. Help us never to give up seeking you. Help us to never give up meeting together. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.